0: Hey, and, and thanks for that mandated applause. I just want, to, I just want, you, to say, want you to know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it, uh, last night was great. Uh, it got late. I don't want to say it was a short night as far as sleep was concerned, but got to our cabin and uh, hung up my jacket, and then this morning I got up and the hanger was still swinging back and forth, um, just a little bit short. Thank you for being here. God, thank you for bringing us here. You know, as as we were worshiping in the last few minutes, and uh, Rich was making some comments about going home. One thing I've noticed over the years, and I'm sure many of you have noticed this too, is that when you get away like this for several days, concentrated time with the Lord, uh, with family, with friends. Uh, it can feel like a you know a mountaintop. Uh, it can feel like a spiritual high, and uh, and there's part of us like Rich was referring to, you know, we wish we could just bottle it and and just take it home and uh, and just keep sipping out of it maybe every day, and uh, it, it, that's but that's not reality. You know, and another thing we do, we we get here and we can feel close to God. And uh, we can think in terms of, boy, Jesus is our friend, and God is so loving, and uh, we know Jesus as our Savior. And that's all very true, but here's my question for you today. Do you know Jesus as your Lord? As your Lord? Lord, in the scriptures, means supreme boss, master, in control. Do we know Jesus as our Lord? It's one thing to know Him as Savior, but is He in control of our lives every day? Do we surrender to Him every single day? Years ago, <clears throat> it was a beautiful summer day, and I went out to my, my parents' uh, farm. My, I grew up on a farm, and uh, uh, that was a great experience. And uh, one of my dad's uh, passions was, was flying, he owned his own plane, and he had a, a small landing strip on his farmland, and so we're out there, and we're talking, and my, and my dad said to me, hey, Byron, should we do some flying? I said, oh, dad, that'd be great. It's such a gorgeous day. So we take the plane up, and uh, cruising around, and, and I'm not sure... What came over me, I'm, I'm an emotional, passionate person, and the deal is my dad had never let me fly the plane. I mean, I'd been with him when he flies the plane, but I had never actually flown it myself, and so I said, Dad, let me have the controls. And uh, my dad went, uh, no, there's probably a few more things we would need to go over. I said, Dad, let me do it. And I literally reached and grabbed the controls from my father. And like a passionate junior high kid... I throttled it, and I mean, I took the plane up, and it was exhilarating. I, I mean, there's, there's no diminishing how exciting this was. I didn't realize at the time, but in back in looking back, my dad explained to me what I did is I throttled up too fast, and I put the engine into a stall. And the next thing I know, the plane is just sort of suspended, just sort of hovering, And all of a sudden, the plane is just headed in a downward spiral. Now I'm done flying the plane. I'm going, Dad, here, you take the controls. Fly the plane, fly the plane. And my dad tried to, but literally it was too late, and we crashed the plane in a cornfield. And I know miracles happen, and you're looking at me right now, and you're going, wow, you survived. Um, Plane was demolished, but... Both my dad and I survived. And I think one of the main reasons is that the plane I'm talking about was one of those three-foot radio-controlled toy airplanes. Oh, did I forget to mention that? Do you feel ripped off and manipulated right now? Good. Because I want you to remember what we're going to look at today. (laughs) Everything I said in detail... Was truthful, except I left out a couple of details. (laughs) Crashed. And here's what happens Uh, we can be at a weekend like this, and uh, in our mind and our heart, we can believe and, and think in terms of surrendering it all to Jesus, He's in control. But then we get back to reality and to real life, and uh, real life sets in, and the kids need this, and there's a change in our job, and whatever, you know, financial crisis hits. And all of a sudden, basically what we do, rather than continuing to surrender to Jesus every day so that he can be Lord, Master, more than friend, more than Savior, but in control master, boss, supreme over our lives. What do we do? We go, all right, we don't actually say this, but okay, Heavenly Father, I'm gonna take the controls back to my life. And what happens? And I know you've been there. Our spiritual life will spin out of control and we'll crash spiritually. But we don't always survive. It takes a while. Sometimes some people don't come back Wow, and then we have all these young families here, and I'm sure that many of you with kids, you're going, the world we live in right now, Byron, when when we get back home to raise our kids in this world, we want our kids to be lifelong followers. I'm here this weekend thinking about really following you, Jesus, for the rest of my life, but what about our kids? How are we going to help them be lifelong followers of you, Jesus? May I suggest something? We need to let Jesus be Lord in control of every part of our life every single day. That's the foundation for raising our kids to be lifelong followers. And right now I know what some of you are thinking, but Byron, we got older kids, they don't live at home anymore. It's still the opportunity for us to model what it means for Jesus to be Lord in control. So how are we going to do that? I try to make things memorable. And uh, so we're going to start this morning with Matthew 16, 24, and this is all about relinquishing the controls of our life. Jesus is saying to his disciples, awesome. Hey, by the way, Kate, can we thank Katie for doing all the slides? Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Jesus says to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Let him be Lord. Let him have the controls. So let's do this. Let's take a look at several daily disciplines. Not just that once a year when you come to Winterfest or, wait, Family Fest. When we get together when it's snowing up here. You know, if... If Pete gives me a a t-shirt or some merchandise, I'm sure I'll remember what this thing is actually called. Ah, well, that was was so blatant. I'm sorry, Pete. But, yeah, I'll see you afterwards. That's really good. Let's look at some daily disciplines on how to let Jesus be Lord or in control. Let him have the controls. Here's the first one, and to make it memorable, we're actually going to use the word Lord. It's his name, but we're going to use it to remind us of what these daily disciplines are. And so maybe some of you like acronyms, I do, and so we're going to use Lord as an acronym to help us memorize or at least become more familiar with these daily disciplines. First letter is L, learn to know God and His Word every day. Learn to know God and His Word. I know when reality sets in, that we have spent more time with Jesus and his word these days. And a week from now, if we we're going to take a survey, how many of us spent some time every single day to learn to know God and his word? There was would probably a little bit of a diminishing effect. And that's a struggle we have. But the, the truth is we need to learn to know him and his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. As Paul is talking to Timothy here, uh, wow, he's, he's talking about <laughs> where we're at right now. You must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught, Timothy. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've been given you... Th- They have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. All Scripture, let me say this again, all Scripture, because we live in a day and age where people are picking and choosing which part of Scripture is still applicable. But all Scripture is inspired breathed by the Holy Spirit and written, inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I love the statement I heard years ago because it really convicted me, and the statement's this, whatever you can't get enough of is your God. In Second Corinthians 4, 4, Paul says, the God, little g, referring to idolatry and the enemy, the God of this evil age has blinded people, blinded people. And so, whatever we can't get enough of, what the world has to offer, really blinds people, including those of us who are Christ followers. Wow. Had you ever thought about it that way? Oh, let me illustrate. Whatever you can't get enough of is your, is your God. Um, whatever we love or what we're passionate about, we pursue. Now, good news is when I got back to the cabin last night, I didn't have to seek forgiveness from Linda. Linda said she enjoyed part of my talk. It was, it, it, it was really good. We're okay. We're okay. But we've been married, as you know by now. In fact, uh, I've told you so many times, we have our 45th wedding anniversary coming up in two weeks. Our address is 12113, choral, never mind. <clears throat> I've been pursuing this lovely lady since God showed me. And I keep pursuing her because I'm so passionate about her and so in love with her. And if I were going to say, do I always pursue God and knowing his word? Do I pursue learning his word with the same passion and the same commitment? The answer is no. I'm a diehard Vikings fan. Thankfully, the season's over, and so now I can get back to living the Christian life. So try this, whatever you can't get get enough of is your God. How many of you think that you could, I'll go football, how many of you think you could stand up if I asked you to and name off 10 Minnesota Vikings players? Raise your hand if you think you could do it. Oh, a number of you, sure. All right. How many of you think you could stand up and list at least seven essential oils? Come on, how many of you think you could, some of you can, how many of you think you could stand up and come up with at least seven types of flowers? Oh yeah, come on, especially you guys, because I know you give your wife flowers, of course you do. How many of you think you could name at least five fast food restaurants? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How many of you think you could stand up and by memory quote 10 Bible verses? Awesome. Uh, The numbers went down, understandably. I don't have to expound on that very much, do I? We're so passionate. We pursue so many things. Whatever we can't get enough of is really our God. And if we're really serious about letting God have the controls, letting Jesus be Lord in control, we must practice the daily discipline of learning to know God and His Word. Here's the second daily discipline. Oh, obey God in every area of your life. Obey God in every area of your life. John 14, 15. It's so simple and so comprehensive and, and so focused and so powerful and it's, it's like the, one of the most important commands that Jesus ever gives. If you love me, obey me. If you love me, me obey me. I told you about my friend who contacted me when he had an affair. And since that time I've thought about oh yeah I I would never do that to my sweet Linda. And when I say that I realize I have to be careful because the enemy would love me to think that no I would never, I could never do that. Because all it takes is Hanging on to the controls a little bit too long, a little bit too consistently, so that Jesus is not in control, He's not my Lord, and I drift away. The truth is, if we're all honest, every single one of us would say that in some way, we have an affair with the world. We don't focus in on our true love, our first love, Jesus. Jesus. I'm just going to let that simmer with you for a little bit. Is there any part of your life that you would think, oh, I don't want Jesus to be in control of that part of my life? Is it different than just having an affair with part of the world? It's so important to obey him in every single area, especially when wanting our kids to be lifelong followers of Jesus. They are watching us. And to drive that point home... Uh, Katie, uh, you're going to play this, but I'm going to set it up just a little bit. Maybe you've seen the Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar. Well, you know, his son uh, makes a wish that his that his dad, Jim Carrey, that uh, he would tell the truth all the time. And that's what God wants, but sometimes we fight that. We fight it big time. Let's watch How willing would we be to let kids of ours, whether they're little or young adult kids, know what's really going on inside our heart and mind all the time? To obey God in every area of our life. First of all, when Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. So first of all, it's responding to Jesus and letting him be Lord. But you get it, if we want our kids to be lifelong followers, we have to surrender every part of our life, obey Him in every part of our life. Can we do that? No, not on our own. It's all about the Holy Spirit and relying on the Holy Spirit, and that's our next daily discipline. R, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16, 22, Paul writes this I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. We need a fruit basket, people. Not fruit cake. That, that is not of God fruit basket. You know what we do so oftentimes when we've taken the controls back, in a sense, you know the idea of we compartmentalize? And so the spiritual part, well, that takes place, you know, on a weekend like this or, or maybe at a church on the weekend. But to avoid compartmentalizing, and especially for our kids, and helping them be lifelong followers, we have to admit, we can't do this. We can't produce this kind of fruit. Only the Holy Spirit being in control, Jesus being Lord, in control of every part of our life, then this fruit is manifested because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I'm speaking at a camp in Florida, which right now would be incredible, wouldn't it? And so, um, third or fourth night into the camp, this big kid named Mike, all state linebacker from Chicago. He was about six foot eight, 250 pounds, D1 scholarship. I had talked to him earlier. And uh, he, he sort of looked and sounded like Sylvester Stallone. Some of you young ones are going, who, 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 who. Uh, but he came up to me one afternoon after we had had several sessions, and uh, he walks up to me and he goes, hey, Byron. I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, can I ask you a question? I said, oh, Mike, you can ask anything. I've been thinking, you know, uh, um, when I go back to Chicago, I've been thinking that maybe, uh, you know, what, I should really stop the drinking. You know, uh, not even just after a game, but during the week. The guys are not, I mean, we're just getting. We're just getting wasted. And I'm thinking maybe I should stop. What do you think? Mike, that's a great idea. Love it. Way to go. Okay, good. Now, next question. Uh, A lot of times then when we've been drinking, or even if we haven't been drinking, um, we look for uh, junior high kids and we just beat the out of them. Only he didn't say boop. He said something else. He said, and I think that um, maybe we should stop doing that. I, it kind of bothers me a little bit afterwards after I beat up a little kid, you know, and I, he said, what do you think? Should I stop doing that? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'm like, of course you should stop doing that. And I, and I said, not only does God think that it's a good idea to stop getting drunk, not only does God think that it's a good idea to stop beating up junior high kids, all the junior high kids in Chicago are going to think that's a good idea, right? I said, Mike, where's this coming from? I specifically have not talked about not getting drunk or not beating up kids smaller than you, not being a bully. So where's it come from? He goes, oh, man, it's so weird. You know, the other night, when you talked about having jesus come in your life and i sat and i prayed with my leader and and then i I, 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 jesus came into my life and it's just so weird ever since then i've got all these weird thoughts and ideas that are new to me just going through my head i said mike that's fantastic do you know what that is not sure That's the Holy Spirit, because, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that when we become a Christian, God takes the part that knows him the best, his own spirit, and places it within us. And so, Mike, what's happened is that since you said yes to Jesus, the part that knows God the best, his spirit, is now in you, helping you to do what pleases God, producing fruit. Cool. (laughs) That's the exact response he gave me. Can we rely on that spirit? Let me try this. Some of you are looking a little bit sleepy, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I just want you to stand up real quick. Go ahead and stand up. And uh, I I want you to um, wave your right arm. I want you to take your, your, uh, your left index finger and stick it in your left ear. There you go. Okay. Now stomp your right foot. Okay, now take your left index finger and put it in the ear of the person next to you no no I'm, I'm kidding I'm kidding okay thanks you can sit down you can sit down okay let me ask you a question it's a quiz whose will do you think just got you to do that was it your will what do you think raise your hand it was you okay how many of you think it was me Oh, more of you. Hey, if you think I'm that persuasive, would you all leave your wallets on the floor? I'm going to walk by and pick those up. No, do you know what it was? Combo. I gave you an instruction. You had to decide, you had to make a choice on whether or not you were going to listen and obey and follow through. That's basically how we rely on the Holy Spirit. Because according to what Paul is saying here, every single day, let the Spirit guide your lives. Folks, this is not a one-time deal, once a year. Hey, Holy Spirit, I'm going to rely on you. No, it's a daily discipline to let Jesus be Lord and control. When we start the day, Holy Spirit, in me, I surrender to you. Give me the strength and the faith that I need to obey you as you guide me. And look what happens the fruit, and then our kids around us, our neighbors, our friends, the people at the workplace we serve with, they're going to start to see Jesus. And it's contagious. Okay, last discipline, D, discover God's plan for your life every day. Discover God's plan for your life every single day. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And by the way, if you open up your phone or look at the scripture later, this verse is following verses 8 and 9, where Paul is saying, hey, it's by grace that you are saved, not by works. We can't take credit for our salvation, it's what Jesus did on the cross and rose again, and so when we know Him like that, now it's saying, "Oh, now you have to understand that God sees you as a masterpiece. He's got some great things planned for you, great things for you to do for His glory." When I was a junior in high school, uh, remember, I grew up on a farm. You know where I used to crash my dad's plane. Um, It was an October Saturday, and uh, it's harvest time, and so my dad is running the combine harvesting corn, and I've got a tractor pulling a digger, and where the combine has already gone, I'm digging up the corn stalks and all of that, and uh, I am having a pity party, and here's why. The night before, as a junior, I played quite a bit. I didn't start in the game, I played quite a bit. But I realized this Saturday morning that it didn't matter how hard I was going to work the following year, my senior year, and I knew I'd be a starter my senior year in football, I was never, ever going to be a standout athlete. It was so obvious. And I wanted to, I, I loved football, and I, I wanted to be so good. I wanted to be a star like my dad. My dad when he grew up in Oregon, he was all-state running back for the state of Oregon. I used to wish I had half his athletic ability. And you got to know something. My dad is one of the most godly people I've ever met, kind, gentle, patient, so wise. So I'm having this pity party, and uh, we converge at the end of the field, and my dad comes over to see how it's going. And he goes, hey, and also he goes, what's wrong with you? And I told him what I just told you. He goes, son, if you wanted to quit football, which you sound like you want to, it's okay. But I would challenge you not to because of learning about teamwork and commitment and follow through. But if you hang up the cleats, it's okay because I don't see you as my son, the football player. I see you as my son, and whether you ever played another game, whether or not you ever take over the farm, whatever you do the rest of your life, I am so proud of you, and I love you so much. Do you know why? I said, why? Because you're mine. Remember insecurities? That's when my dad started to teach me about my insecurities. And then my dad goes on, he says, well, as long as we're talking about it, you know, I've been, I've been thinking I should talk to you about this. You know, when you think about the future, I've noticed that uh, you like to talk a lot. And I've seen you, you know, up front talking a little bit at church and youth group and all that, and... Uh, you're actually quite good at it. And so, as your dad, I'm just going to suggest to you that maybe you kind of think about that and pray about it and possibly pursue something in life that would involve talking in front of people. (laughs) My dad was wise, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No matter what you do, career-wise, work-wise... That's not what identifies you, remember? What identifies you and me is Jesus in me. Our identity is in Christ. And so then as a Christ follower, when Paul is saying, oh, and you're a masterpiece, and get ready, God has planned for you for a long, long time how he's going to use you. Great stuff is ahead for you. And so our role is to let him be in control, to let him be Lord, and each and every single day discover our plan, our purpose. In fact, something very, very practical I encourage all of you to do if you've never done it, take a spiritual gifts assessment. You know, there's three different locations in the New Testament where it talks about spiritual gifts. And as Christ followers, God's Spirit gives us spiritual gifts so that we can serve Him and bring Him glory, and that's part of His plan. And then the daily purpose is, well, some of you are a teacher, some of you are a financial advisor, some of you uh, are a professional golfer. Whatever you are actually doing, now you're doing it For God's glory, because he is Lord of your life. Let's review. Here it is. L, learn to know God and his word. O, obey him in every area. R, rely on the Holy Spirit's power. D, discover purpose and plan every single day. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we lift you up as Lord. And, Lord, I know that we can sing that, we can say that, we can read about it, but I'm just calling on your Spirit's power to make that a daily reality in our lives. Lord, protect us from Satan tempting us to want to take back the controls so often. With your love, your unconditional love, your forgiveness, your patience with us as your children, I pray that your spirit will help each of us apply as we leave here the challenge and the opportunity to give you complete control of our life every single day. Jesus, be Lord. In Christ's name, amen.